If you have your scripture, turn to Luke chapter 24. If you have your RCC app, you can turn there. You can see the scriptures we're going to read from, follow along with the notes and the live event. And uh, thank you for following along today. When I think of the resurrection, when I think of Easter Sunday, I think of ground zero. I think it is, the, it is, the, it is the, the ground zero of all that we believe in. It is the point of origin of this thing that exploded in time and space in history from which the shock waves are still being felt. A few years or a few months ago, I don't know, was it two months ago when the Halton Bridge imploded? Uh, you remember that? So obviously, it, now... Now that day, we were right at the edge, our Parkside facility where our offices are, the church offices are, is right at the edge of where you can get closest to that implosion. And, and some of us climbed up to the rooftop so we could see the, the bridge fall down. And I was expecting a big bang. I mean, obviously it's an explosion. I didn't expect something as big as it was. How many of you heard that explosion that day? Let me see. How many of you felt that explosion that day? When that thing went off, I could just feel the shock waves go through my body. In fact, it was such a big shock wave that all the cars that were parked along 3rd Street there, their, their alarms started going off because it shook it so hard. And, and, and so ground zero is that place from which these shock waves go out and you hear this boom. And I think the resurrection was like that in, in so many ways. It was a big boom in the hearts and souls of those followers of Jesus that day. And it is a big boom that's going to be felt even here today. I believe the empty tombs, the ground zero for good news. A lot of times we think of ground zeros as bad news. It's where a nuclear bomb goes off or an explosion goes off that's bad news. But this is the ground zero for good news, the reverberations of which I believe are still being felt. Jesus' resurrection is shockingly good news, and it's coming our way. I never want to be bored with that. Some of you, maybe today, could be your ground zero. It could be the beginning of a new start for you. I want us to use our imagination as we go back to the story of the first ground zero explosion of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, but imagination is important. You know, we're supposed to put our thoughts on things above and not things below. We're supposed to use our minds and control minds. In fact, next week we're beginning a new sermon series and we're calling it Imagine. And it's all about fixing our mind's eye. It's about fixing our thoughts on things that shape us for good not for bad. It's about how we fix our thoughts on those things that are going to help us go down the path of life in a strong and healthy and productive way. So you don't want to miss the next sermon series beginning next Sunday. I hope to see you here. And by the way, next week we are celebrating 10 years since we began our satellite church, which is really our other church, our other location up at the mills. We started in the, in the theater up there when the mall opened up. So that's great. 10 years. We're going to have a special celebration for that and uh, some special treats for everybody that comes. I'm going to just leave that hanging for you and you'll have to come and see. So uh, that's next week. So today I want us to use our imaginations and, and, and I, want to, I want to go back to ground zero. And the title of my message is The View from Ground Zero. And, and if you remember the story, The View from Ground Zero is a pretty, a pretty sorrowful view at the beginning. 
These women that come to the tomb that day, they're just filled with grief, with fear, with confusion, and disbelief. You see, they had hoped for so much more from Jesus. And when they saw him arrested, accused, mocked and beaten and abused, carrying that cross through the streets with that thorn, the thorns driven into his head, blood spilling out from his back and his face. And then they lift him up and nailed him to the cross. All their hopes were dashed. Everything they had believed in. This Messiah that was going to come and make everything right again. This king that was going to finally put us back on top once more. He's gone. He's over. It's dead. It was right before the Sabbath that they crucified him. So Joseph allowed them to put him in the tomb that he had had. And then they put him in the tomb and walked away. And it was the Sabbath. So a whole day, they couldn't do anything because of the Sabbath. They stayed in hiding. They were afraid, grieving. They didn't get to finish the embalming process, the burial process. And in those days, you would be wrapping them up and then covering them with, with expensive spices and, 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 and things that would, oils that would mask the odor of the decaying body. And that's why they were going that day. They went there early in the morning. They took their spices that had been prepared. They went to the tomb and, and, and they found the stone rolled away. I heard this morning in our sunrise service, uh, the pastor from St. Paul Baptist Church, Reed Green, made the statement. And it was like, I've heard, I preached on this so many times. And he made the statement. He said, you know, Jesus didn't need to have the stone rolled away. He could walk through walls. The stone was rolled away for the women. The stone was rolled away for them to be able to get in and see that he wasn't there. It was rolled away for Peter and John so that when they got there, they could see that Jesus wasn't there. And you know what? There's a lot of us here today. There's a stone that needs to be rolled away from our hearts. And I'm just praying that this is the day where the shock waves will hit you and that stone will be rolled away. And you might be able to see. You might be able to see. So they walked in, the, the, they, and Jesus was there. They, they didn't find it. So here they were, there to finish the burial process, which had been delayed, and, and, and he wasn't there. And, and then also, meanwhile, back at the camp, the 11 disciples, the 11 followers of Jesus, they were still in hiding. They were still frustrated. They were still lost and confused and not knowing what to do. I'm sure they were all filled with guilt because as soon as Jesus was arrested, they went running for hiding, for cover. And, and then there's Peter who tried to stay close to Jesus, but then when others looked at him and started saying, weren't you with him? Weren't you one of his followers? Look, you talk like a Galilean. You must be one of those people. And he said, no, 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 I never knew him. And so he's feeling guilty and remorse in addition to probably a lot of anger because it didn't go down the way he thought it was going to go. And so here at Ground Zero, there was this tomb. There was faith that had been dashed. There was grief. And their faith had been buried with Jesus in the tomb. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, we go through times in life when our faith gets buried. 
Stuff happens. Grief, disappointment, fear, confusion comes your way. And it steals your ability to believe. And, and maybe, maybe somebody's here today, and maybe that's your situation, and you came because it's Easter, you know you're supposed to, but for you, really, you're just here in body, but you're not here in spirit because your faith has been crushed. You remember maybe in times past when you used to lean into the future with this trust that God was going to be with you. You used to talk to God on a regular basis. You made decisions based upon what you thought Jesus would want you to do. You were on this good path. You were headed there, but something happened, and you lost your markers, and you've lost your way, and you don't know the way to true north any longer. And that happens. I have a friend who had believed in God when he was younger, but when he was in a car accident and he held his friend who died, his faith died with his friend. And he went for a long time, angry at God, not believing that there was a God. How could a loving God allow such horrible things to happen? And I am sure that's exactly how these people were feeling that day. How can a loving God allow this Jesus to be mistreated and have such an injustice happen to him? And so the view from ground zero starts with this utter blackness of this dark, cold, lifeless grave. And the women go there to embalm the body of Jesus. But then the morning comes, and the sun rises, and the darkness is shattered by this bright light. And all of a sudden, unexpectedly, there is this potential of this brand new Day, a brand new experience. It says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, as we read earlier, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then he said, remember, remember how he told you. And over the past several weeks, we looked at times, three times explicitly, Jesus predicted that this was going to happen, but they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand that Jesus could die and raise again. It just couldn't enter into their comprehension. And he said, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day and raised again. And then they remembered. Boom. They remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and the others. Of course, they couldn't comprehend it, especially since it was the women that was telling them this, because women were not necessarily regarded as trustworthy in those days. Their words were not very valid. That's the, the view of women in those days. But these were the women that were there, and Jesus let women be the first evangelists. I love that. I love that. Boom! The memory of what Jesus had said sent shockwaves through these women. The faith that had been pronounced dead all of a sudden had a heartbeat again. And when Jesus' body was encased in the tomb, fear had encased them. And then the light broke into this tomb, and it broke into their hearts and their minds, and they ran to tell the others what had happened. And so here it is, the view from ground zero. We see that when God opens a tomb, faith is renewed and maybe for some of us today, our faith needs to be renewed again. And today's a great day for do, doing that because God specializes in bringing dead things back to life. And if your faith has died, 
It's not dead forever. It can come back. It can come back as my friend's faith did. God specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Life has a way of killing our faith, but Jesus has a way of breaking through the darkness with light and life. And when you least expect it, when you least expect it, God may just break through that hard shell that's around your heart. And today might be that day for you. Perhaps today is your boom day. This could be the day to be the ground zero for the rest of your life. And the rest of your day starts here. Today's a new beginning. That's Easter for us, folks. So the view from ground zero begins with this, this tomb and uh, that, that God opens the tomb to renew our faith. But it goes on from there. I just love this whole chapter. We're going to take a look. So, so shortly after that, it goes right into this next story. There are a couple of the disciples or followers of Jesus who were leaving Jerusalem after the horrible events that happened. Cleopas was one of their names. We don't know the other person's name. And they're walking back toward, I guess, their home in Emmaus. And they're going on the road to Emmaus. I love this story. And as they're walking down the road, I'm sure their heads are downcast. They're just looking in front of them. They, they, they're, they're, they're distraught. They're discouraged. And as they walk down the road, all of a sudden, this stranger walks up to them. And they don't know this stranger. Maybe they don't even look at him. Maybe he has a hood over his face. They don't realize that the stranger is Jesus. But Jesus is so cool. He doesn't force himself on them. He doesn't do what he did with the Apostle Paul and strike them down with a bright light. He just kind of eases up next to them and starts walking down the path with them. And he hears them talking. And, and they, 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 they start talking about what's happening. They were visiting in Jerusalem. And he said, well, what happened in Jerusalem? And it was like, what? They said to this stranger, you don't know the things that have happened here? You, you must be the only person that is unaware of what's going on and what happened there. And Jesus coyly just says, well, what things? And he lets them talk. He lets them talk. You know, I think sometimes we think that God forces himself on us. Maybe we have doubts and fears and anger and frustration, and we are afraid to tell God about that. But I want you to know, I don't care what you've been through or how you're feeling today, God can handle whatever it is. God can handle whatever it is. So they start talking. They say, well, he was a prophet. Talking about this Jesus. He's talking about him. They didn't even know it's him. Saying, this guy, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And, and, and some of the women and some of the others went to the tomb and, they, and his body wasn't there. They didn't see him. Those words we had hoped might be the saddest words in all of Scripture. All of us know the sorrow of having high hopes that have been dashed. We fall in love thinking this is the one for me. We pour all our hopes and dreams into that relationship and then something happens and a mess of breakup happens and we're left all alone. We know that feeling. We know that feeling. 
start a new job, filled with all kinds of excitement, can't wait to start the new job, and it's not very long until it's like, oh, I hate this job. It's miserable. Perhaps one of the saddest lost hopes is a miscarriage. Life, expectations, great things are coming, and all of a sudden you visit the doctor, and there's no heartbeat, and hopes are dashed. How sad. These two followers were still reeling from the shock waves of the cross and the crazy news from the people that saw the empty tomb. And then this stranger Jesus starts to talk to them and says, don't you know this is what the scriptures talked about? And without knowing it was Jesus, he, he goes back to the, old, to the Hebrew scriptures and he explains to them how all these things were supposed to happen. And, and so when they get to their destination, they're really curious how he knows all this. So they invite him to come and eat with him. They invite him to come in and have dinner with him. And, and again, I think this points to the idea that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, doesn't force himself on us. He waits for our invitation. He waits for our invitation. And so, and so it says when he was at the table, so they had dinner, they were, and then he's at the table, and I love what it says in verse 30. It says when he's at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. And when he did that, they had this deja vu experience. We, 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 we had this. This happened before. And maybe they remembered when he fed the multitudes. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave. Maybe they were there at the Last Supper when he took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them. And all of a sudden, things started to feel strange to them. And notice it says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappears. And they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road when he opened the scriptures to us? It was like, yes. So this familiar pattern reminds them and their eyes are open. Boom, this was the time that the shock waves hit them. I love the painting by Caravaggio. In 1601, he painted the Supper at Emmaus. We'll put the picture up there of this painting. It's a, fa it's a famous painting. I think we have it. The picture of Caravaggio. There. There it is. And uh, in the painting, you can see Jesus is in the middle, and he's blessing the bread. And then the disciple to his left is there with his arms open. It's like his eyes are open up and he's shocked and his arms just go wide. And then the person in the foreground, you can see kind of with his back to us, he's standing there and his hands grip the chair and he's about to leap out of his chair with excitement. This is the moment right before Jesus disappears. And it's like, this is the boom experience. This is the light coming on. Their eyes are open. And, and from then on, their world was never the same again. Again. The view from going out from ground zero, we see that Jesus not only opens the tomb to restore our faith, but he opens our eyes and our hope is restored. And today, if you've lost hope, you're not alone. Jesus understands. He knows. There's a proverb that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And maybe you're here today and your heart's sick because you wish you had hope. You want to have hope, but it's been dashed from you. 
And like these guys on the road to Emmaus, maybe you're, you, you've just been crushed and, and, and perhaps Jesus is a stranger to you. But can I just ask you to invite Jesus to walk along beside you for a while? Can, can I just encourage you to invite Jesus to come and meet with you? The scripture says that, that Jesus is standing at the door, it says in Revelation, and he's knocking and he's saying, if you would just open the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. If Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today, just invite him in. What do you have to lose? You can lose your hopelessness. You can lose your fear. You can lose your sin. You can lose your guilt. You can lose your shame. You can lose all of those things. Not a bad deal, huh? So Jesus, invite them in, invite them in. I love what it says in Isaiah. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. <clears throat> They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they will not faint. And so we see this, ground from, this view from ground zero. He not only opens tombs, he opens eyes. He restores our faith and he restores our hope. And when Jesus disappeared, these two guys, <clears throat> they hightail it back to Jerusalem because now they have a story to tell. They have an experience to share. So they run the, the 10K back to Jerusalem. And I doubt if they had to walk at all along that road. And, and notice we see one more story here as the ripple effect of the shock waves just go out. It says, while they were still talking about this in Luke, it says, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So now it's these guys and the others who are still in Jerusalem. They're startled. They're frightened. They're thinking they saw a ghost. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. He said, it's me. Touch me. Touch me. I'm not a ghost. The ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see here. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. Now, I have what it says here. And while they, were, while they still did not believe it, while they still did not believe it because of joy and, and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> and they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in his presence. I, I just, I love how Jesus just, first he offers them this peace that they can't even comprehend. They couldn't grasp it because they were frightened and amazed. And then he offers them proof beyond denial. Here, look, my, my hands. I'm not a ghost. I have a body. I'm resurrected. I don't really know exactly how Jesus' bodily resurrection was like, what his body was like. But I could tell you there was matter to it. But matter didn't stop him from going through it. I don't, I don't know how it happened. I mean, this is God. But then Jesus kind of offers them friendship. Do you have anything to eat? Right? So his peace, proof, and friendship, he just gives to them. And I love what it says. That, so here's the important thing that I want us to think about before we sing a little bit here this morning. It says, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds. You see that? He opened the tomb, he opened their eyes, and he opens their minds. So they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem. And now, you're witnesses of these things. 
And I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And he's speaking about how the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out into their lives. So he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And I believe for them, this was the boom experience for them. This is when the shock waves hit them. And they, this was the aha moment. God was doing something new in their midst. And they were going to be players in this wonderful plan. They were going to be a part of this great mission that God had called them to. All that they thought was lost and, and, and it was, was not lost. That, that the stuff that they saw happen wasn't going to be the end of the story. God wasn't surprised by the, the cross. God wasn't surprised by the tomb. All of that was the necessary cost of God's mission to redeem and reconcile broken people, sinful people, and a broken world. All of that, the cross, we talked about that last week, was, was necessary for all of this to happen. God wasn't surprised. Because of the cross, we are forgiven. Because of the cross, we know we are loved. Because of the empty tomb, we now have hope and we have a mission. God called these people to be witnesses. When Jesus opens our minds, troubled hearts turn into telling lips. Troubled hearts turn into telling lips. What does it mean to be a witness? It just means bear witness to what Jesus has done for you. Bear witness to the life that Christ has given you. Bear witness to the good things that God has given to you and the good news that has come your way. And so the view from ground zero is, is seeing these shock waves of good news that are just going out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth from this empty tomb, opening the tomb, opening eyes, opening minds. And I believe that that shock wave still hits people today. And I remember the day it hit my life. And to be honest with you, I'm still in awe of the resurrection. I'm still in awe of what Christ has done. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel the shock wave hit your mind, open your eyes, hit your heart? That's what we need. That's what we need. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to have a great time of singing in just a little bit. But as they're coming, I want to talk to you. Does your faith need to be renewed today? Does your hope need to be restored? Do you need to have peace in your heart? Is your soul troubled? We've been talking over the past several weeks about, about, about the focus, about the focal point. We've talked about Jerusalem. we talked about the cross. Today, the focal point is not the empty tomb. The focal point is coming from the tomb outward, outward. And it is an ever-broadening focus. You see, the cross is all about God being able to forgive us of our sin. We repent. We acknowledge our responsibility. We know that we've gone wrong. We've gone astray. We seek God. We come back to God. Jesus makes it possible for us to have peace with God. That's the personal gospel. That's, that's, that's the shockwave that hits every person that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray today might be a, a ground zero experience for somebody here. But you see, it's just not about us. It goes out from us. We now get to take that shock. We are the shock wave that God is sending out into the world. You follow Jesus, your life begins a process that's less about you and more about 
what God wants and more about others. You become more aware of opportunities to bear witness as you love God by loving other people and taking God's good news and demonstrating the gospel to others. Your mind, your soul is transformed. You see differently. The Holy Spirit works in you and your focus now is different as you see others as God sees them. And God is still alive today, folks. It's Easter morning. God is alive. And he wants to bring what's dead back to life. And he's standing by to renew your faith, to offer you hope, to ease your troubled hearts. He wants your eyes to be open. He wants your mind and your mouth to be open, to broaden your focus, to help you live bigger than you and beyond yourself. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I need that experience. I need a boom in my life. I need to be shaken today by the good news. There's so much bad news. I need good news to shake my life. And my life needs to be shaken up. And if that's you this morning, you just say yes to God. That's me. You can do that if you want to raise your hand up and just say, yes, God, that's me. That's me, God. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to say, yes, God, I need a new start. I want today to be a new beginning. I need you, Jesus. Thank you for opening our eyes, Jesus. Thank you that giving us hope now. Because of the cross, we have hope. Thank you that, that we see things now differently through eyes of faith and not eyes of fear. Help us, God, to be people that bring faith and hope into a world that's full of fear and despair as we carry the shockwave of the good news of the empty tomb wherever we go. And I pray for everyone in this room and those that are hearing me right now. God, I pray that you would help us to carry that shock wave and never let us, never let us take that for granted. May we all be in awe of you today and every day. Amen.